When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This week's show is brought to you by the following sponsor. If you are setting up a new business or just want your existing business to grow, then SB Marketing can offer the help you need. Whether it is brand development, graphic design of adverts, flyers, posters or publications, or to assist you online with a website, email marketing or social media. SB Marketing work with clients from all over. Within Dorset, look no further than the Bear Beer family of micropubs, the White Bear and the Saxon Bear. So to find out more and see the portfolio of work and services, head to www.sbmarketing.co.nz. SB Marketing, help for your business. Ideas, design, online. Welcome to episode 29 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast with me, Sean Barker. And me, Sam Davis. And I suppose without further ado, it's time to tell you what's coming up on this week's Back of the Net. And we're on air this week with a bumper episode of the show where we spend a short time mulling over the weekend's 3-2 defeat at the Clarets on Saturday before discussing our performance on Tuesday at Dean Court where we won as we outfoxed the Foxes. 
Yeah, we got a lot to get through. So Sean and I are going to be giving our thoughts on both games, but not before Michael Dunn has worked his magic with a match report montage from the last two games where the statistics read, lost one, won one. And that's been the same since November the 5th. Who says we're inconsistent? Now, as we have a lot to get through on this show, we're going to be saving our discussions on Friday Stadium News until next week. Um, There's bits of information still filtering in and out of Dean Court, so we're kind of taking it all in. But listen up, as we would also like you to get involved to have your say. Yeah, I'll be mentioning that as we close the show. But another person who's going to be having their say is Peter Bell. And he runs the online Cherries fanzine Cherry Chimes. Later in the show, forming part of the online review, we'll talk to him about his website, the articles you can expect on it, as well as his love for AFC Bournemouth. We'll also be taking in the second part of our ongoing Lone Watch series. A couple of shows ago, it was the Championship with Glenn Murray. This week, it's down in League One as we speak to Gillingham fan Henry Collier, who charts the progress of defender Bailey Cargill. Hmm, be interesting to see how he's doing, eh, Sean? But first, let's have a summary from our man in the stands. And it's time to hand over to Michael Dunn. After losing in frustrating fashion at Burnley at the weekend, our beloved Cherries bounced back to continue their excellent home form with a 1-0 win over Premier League champions Leicester City on Tuesday night at Dean Court. There was some argument to suggest that Bournemouth were unlucky at Turf Moor, although conceding two goals in quick succession early in the first half points to the fact that we were largely authors of our own downfall. Many among the red and black faithful pointed to Eddie Howe's team selection as a contributing factor to that defeat, as the manager sought to resolve the dilemma of remaining loyal to the players that have served him so well, whilst accommodating those that have impressed recently. The back four came under the most intense scrutiny, but remained in place for the meeting with the Foxes, with Adam Smith retained on the right wing. Jack Wilshire returned in place of Dan Gosling, and Callum Wilson was dropped to the bench, leaving Benicophobia as the lone striker. Much to the delight of all concerned, the absence of Ryan Fraser from the squad saw a first league start of the season for Mark Pugh, and the ever-popular former Hereford man did not let his opportunity go begging. We dominated the opening exchanges, although Leicester's hyper-organised counter-attacking tactics saw Claudio Ranieri's entire team magically appear in their own half every time we came forward to crowd out any danger. When Leicester did gain possession, they reversed the trick by suddenly coming forward in numbers. This strategy saw the majority of the early chances fall to the away side, with Jamie Vardy's pace a constant threat. After Arta Boritz had saved once from the England forward, the Cherries lost the ball in midfield to allow fellow Ballon d'Or contender Riyad Mahrez to slip in the England striker. Vardy then rounded Boritz only for the magnificent Steve Cook to launch the first of a series of crucial last-ditch blocks. Cook was not in the vicinity a few minutes later when Mark Albrighton found an unmarked Islam Slimani, but the Algerian forward demonstrated why Leicester paid £30 million for his services by missing the ball completely. Bournemouth had had their moments, however. After Jack Wilshere had shot straight at Ron Robert Zeeler, the German goalkeeper's attempted punt upfield was then blocked by Benicophobe's back, 
and unlike at Cardiff in the Championship, referee Paul Tion did not make up his own rule, allowing Mark Pugh to attempt a long-distance lob which sailed narrowly over the bar. Pugh was not to be denied for long, and on 34 minutes scored the only goal of the game amid delirious scenes. Simon Francis slid the ball through to Adam Smith, who pulled it back along the floor to Benny Kofobe, who struck it first time at Zila, who just about kept it out with his legs. Pugh had clearly foreseen this outcome as he pulled off the crowded defence to set himself for a sweetly struck half volley from the rebound, which Zila kindly palmed into the net. It was a joyful and well-deserved moment, made all the more enjoyable by a few of those around me asking, why are they booing him when he's just scored? The second half was something of a different story as, forced to try and make the game at 1-0 down, Leicester pressed higher up the pitch and we struggled for long periods to keep the ball out of our own half for more than a few seconds. The champions of England bombarded the Cherries box with pump balls and Shane Warne-like spinning long throws, but the defence, led by the imperious Cook, stood firm time and again. There were a couple of nervous moments when Simon Francis almost turned the ball past Boris and Robert Huth headed narrowly wide, but by and large, for all their efforts, Leicester had very few chances. Amongst this rearguard action, Adam Smith and Mark Pugh both just missed with well-struck curling efforts that symbolised the clash of styles evident throughout the fixture. Jack Wilshere was giving a passing masterclass in midfield and showed another side of his game by drawing fouls on the break a few times, although he was almost caught out when Shinji Okazaki's handball was not spotted by Tierney, although the Japanese striker quickly saw the error of his ways and shot well wide. Callum Wilson replaced the hard-working of Phoebe on 68 minutes, but did not see the game out after sustaining a head injury. This presents a late opportunity for Tyrone Mings to make a very welcome return to league action against the team who had played his only previous six minutes of top flight action some 16 months ago. This time around his short spell on the field was much more satisfying. Steve Cook made another heart-stopping block from Okazaki and Leonardo Ijoa, who Ranieri threw on to go all out for the point, drew an equally white-knuckle-inducing save from back-to-business Arta Boritz. Amongst all this, Adam Smith found himself almost clean through in the box but decided he actually quite liked running around with the football, so turned through 180 degrees and legged it back in the direction of the corner flag to shave a few more seconds off the clock. Memorable scenes followed at the final whistle as we climbed to an all-time high 8th place in English football less than 8 years after almost dropping out of the Football League. Eddie Howe's fist-pumping salute to the Steve Fletcher stand was even more pronounced than usual, as like us, he knew the importance of winning at least one of the two home games on the fixture card, and if we can get a decent result against our old friends from up the road on Sunday, it will be a very cherry Christmas indeed. That's Michael Dunn with the match report montage. So a loss at Burnley and then a win against Leicester in the week, winning 1-0. You can follow Michael on Twitter. It's at all departments. Now, fortunately, we didn't actually get any fan thoughts for the game at Turf Moor, and rightly so. I felt disconsolate, and obviously so did you. Uh, we didn't want to depress you too much, and we was worried, actually, that we wouldn't get many for the Leicester game. But a family called Phillips stepped in to save the day, so we've got fan thoughts from Ben, who incidentally was mascot against Liverpool uh, last weekend. Uh, Lois... And Mummy Kerry as well. We've got Matt from AFCB TV and uh, a couple of thoughts from the media as well. Now, we always accompany it with a song. Um, and this one came in via email. Whoever did it, did it from an anonymous email address. Because they're obviously, they don't want to put a name to it, put it this way. But given our inconsistent form, win-loss, 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 they've gone for a song from the Venga Boys. Yeah, that's right. The Venga Boys. 
and this is up and down. Oh dear. I have something very special for you. 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 Ben Phillips from Bournemouth and I'm going to give you a small note on what I think of the game. All in all it was a bit even but Bournemouth defended well and Mark Pugh took his goal well with a couple of little tricks in there. Thank you. Hello this is Lois Phillips from Bournemouth and today I'm going to leave a small note on the game. I think Bournemouth totally dominated and Mark Pugh's goal was spectacular. Thank you. We've come away with three points and now we're nine points from the relegation zone. Absolutely buzzing game. First half was an absolute annihilation from Bournemouth. Mark Pugh was just too good for Leicester today, to, um, for Leicester to handle today. And it was the um, clinical facts. You know what, actually talking about it, all everyone was um, out of their out of their playing out of their socks today after that Burnley game. Hi, this is Kerry from Bournemouth. Just got home after watching Bournemouth beat Leicester one nil. What an what a game! What an absolute treat! The players all worked their absolute socks off for that. Um, possession must have been massively in favour of AFC Bournemouth. Uh, Frano had a great game, Wilshire had a great game, Mark Pugh, um, just what can I say, he, he was just absolutely class tonight as well, um, I thought the fans were brilliant, just what an absolute treat for a Tuesday night, up the cherries. Well, it was certainly a game of two halves, uh, I thought in the first half Bournemouth were the better side, deservedly went in half team 1-0 up. And the second half, it was more about Leicester attacking and Bournemouth sitting deep and defending, protecting that one goal advantage that they had. In truth, though, Mark Leicester didn't create enough with the position that they had in that final third. Now they had to wait quietly on for a George shot to go, well saved by Boric. That was the most clear-cut chance that they created throughout the 90 minutes. But the worrying factor is, is and that's a, a eight away games they've played this season. They've got one point, Mark. One point out of a possible 24. Beware by the original. Yeah, so, Sean, I'm sorry, but that there just happened. Yeah, the Venger boys. <laughs> sorry about that. So, once again, big thank you to Kerry, Ben, Lois, Matt, and also a little bonus piece there from Talk Sports' Ray Houghton. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the game at the Vitality on Tuesday night, I suppose we better reflect on Saturday's match at Turf Moor. And Bournemouth went down 3-2, as Michael said. And, Sean, how did you just feel after that? What was your just overriding feeling at full time? Yeah, you couldn't help but think of the Liverpool game and put the Liverpool and the Burnley together and go, we got three points. And it was like, initially it was like, oh, does it kind of take a bit away from the Liverpool result? But hey, I think um, credit to Burnley. Um, obviously, they're a Premier League side and, you know, they won. And I wouldn't want to watch their style of football week in, week out. But, you know, it worked. And the funny thing was, we actually started really brightly, I thought. The first mm. 10, 11 minutes, I thought we looked 
um, very comfortable, in control. But then, sure, then, I mean, you, you would have been proud of that goal, though, surely. Surely. Oh, sure. What yeah. a strike. <laughs> a huge goal. Yeah, you've got a, a great, just, a, I mean, it was, it was a brilliant finish. Still, my nagging issue I have with Nathan Aki is sometimes I think he, he seems to lose where he is, loses a marker. And if you look back, and there was a stat online actually about since he's come in at centre back, like the number of goals we've conceded. Now, I'm not trying to blame him or label it all on him or whatever, but where they went wrong on that goal was that we set up um, very much whereby Gosling was the player to attack the high ball. So the defenders were dropping back, Gosling was coming in, and he was the one who was challenging for the header. What happened if you watch it? Watch that goal was that Gosling went to go for it, but Aki went all the way and actually won the header, and he probably didn't need to. I think Gosling could have won it. And then what happened is Gosling hadn't covered... Aki, which then leads to the situation where Mr. A Wondergoal steps up <laughs> and just thumps it in the roof of the net. Yeah, and then Ward got the second after some calamitous defending. Good to see a Fobe back on the score sheet uh, before half time. But Cherry's, it still, it still felt as though like we dominated a lot of the game. But in the second half, it was a, a silly sort of error from Smith that gave the ball away and then end up at Boyd with that left-footed shot and I, d- I didn't think it was possible to score from that angle but um, apparently it was. Um, Afobi got his goal uh, in the 87th-88th minute. I mean, did you see anything wrong with that? Ah, that was frustrating, eh? Like, there was nothing wrong with that nothing goal, was there? And it was one of those things, especially after Liverpool, where if that had been counted in the 88th, you'd have gone, we're still going to have a good 5-6 seven minutes depending on we didn't know how many minutes were going to be added on at that point but he thought if that had gone in I reckon we'd have had a good crack and as it happened we did score late but yeah overall disappointing um Jamie Carragher's comments about oh well that's how you beat Bournemouth you just pump it into the box well don't think so Jamie no but 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 we did but we did look shaky eh Mm, we did. So, as I said earlier on, our league form since, what was it, the Sunderland game back on November the 5th has been win-lose, 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 which kind of... I'm getting a bit worried about Sunday's game now, but we'll move on to that later. So, But tonight, wow, it was a good, solid win, wasn't it, Sean? Bournemouth uh, started off, uh, Callum Wilson was dropped, Gosling was dropped, Fraser was dropped, and in come King... Pugh and Wilshire. Any surprises there for you? Well, they, I think Fraser, a bit, bit harsh on him there, Sammy. Um, apparently, he rolled his ankle and was injured. Oh, I did Eddie not said. know that. Ah, oh, right, yeah, I didn't know so that. Break, beep, 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 breaking news, breaking <laughs> news. Uh, yeah, apparently he'd done it in... So that that was why he was out of action. But, um, yeah, I think Afobe, um yeah, earned, earned, earned his chance, I think, after how he played last week. And, yeah, still... Wilson, yeah, been a bit, not been 100% happy with, with, say, his current form. So I think you have to reward him for that. Wilshire coming straight back in kind of made sense. Adam Smith on the right again. So, um, Sammy, what do you think? Right midfield, better this time? 
Um, not according to some Twitterers, Red and Black 68, after establishing that Adam Smith is not a left back, it's safe to say he's not a right winger either, yet we've got two sat on the bench. Um, I think that was a bit harsh, because I, d- I don't think he did a bad job. He's not your uh, stereotypical uh, winger with all the tricks and running down the wing, because Adam Smith's trade move seems to be cutting inside all the time, um, and also running across the pitch. Um, but... I think he did okay. The the issue I have with it, and it was it was apparent at Burnley and still I think tonight, is that we, we got the ball in the right-hand side a lot. And I know the goal came eventually from a pullback from Francis, but one, Francis' distribution into the box, I don't think has been good enough. You look, especially look back over these last few games, you know, where he's been back at right back, so many balls he puts in a click, hit the first man or whatever else. You know, the the nice thing about the goal t- tonight was this morning here in New Zealand um, was that he really picked a man out and it was a pass more than a cross, you know. But mm. when we go back to the Burnley game, there was there was times when our triangle of players was Smith, Gosling and Francis as our little triangles that we like to make. And to be fair, none of those are guys that one-on-one are really going to be able to find that yard of space or that bit of trickery to get past. Like you say, Smith likes to cut in. Francis likes to make some one-twos or whatever else. But that's the issue I do have. I think I think we get into some good positions and arguably it worked tonight because Francis found himself in some really great crossing positions. But his ball into the box just, yeah, I it just let us down as it has done the last few weeks. Yeah, um, funny with Simon Francis, because sometimes he crosses really early, which can sometimes be effective. And the ball, uh, you know, either bounces just in front of the keeper, and it's just in that real area of uncertainty. Or he holds onto the ball and then crosses really late by the byline. And he sort of did neither today. And, yeah, it was quite disappointing. Um, You know, put the shoe on the other foot. On the uh, Charlie Daniels, who was back in a Bournemouth shirt. Of course, he started the game at Burnley. And I thought him and Pugh linked up really well today. It, it was like it was like the good old days. And Daniels helped to carve out our first main opportunity when he rifled a cross with his left foot. And Adam Smith sort of threw himself at it, but he, he was nowhere near it. But it was a it was a high high tempo start from Bournemouth, but not really much in the way of shots on goal. No, and I think it's kind of a lot of the first half was the case, wasn't it? I mean, that header was what after three minutes, but then on seven minutes, there was that moment when Vardy was through and Boric. And what was interesting was look at the way that Boric came out. Completely different. Yeah. Compare that to what we talked about with, with Mane, where it was hesitant. That tonight was Boric coming out, bang. And all right, he didn't get the ball, but he forced Vardy to make a decision. He forced him to go wide. And then, you know, obviously it got it got cleared. But I guess that was a little bit of a warning sign. But, I mean, other than that, in terms of Leicester, yeah, I mean, the commentary I was watching were just saying about, this is like a totally different team to what we saw play against Man City. And it was almost, it was like they were giving us too much respect. You know, like when we went to mm. some big clubs, sometimes <laughs> we go to big clubs and it's like, especially in the 41st, 45, you just think, come on, boys, forget who they are and just... <laughs> Yeah. play our own game because yeah, it felt like that yeah. they were like well we know they're going to try and dominate so we're going to sit deep we're going to try and catch them out um Vardy yeah ended up just getting pretty isolated didn't he really and um 
Yeah, and then there was the moment on 21 minutes where Afobe was doing the Wilson role of annoying the goalkeeper as he's about to take a kick. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bounces off his back. Then there's a little foot race, which the guy wins. The, 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 the keeper beats Afobe to the ball, but hammers it low into the hoarding. So it comes straight, like, put it in the back of the row, man, you know? <laughs> Quick throw, and Pewey did that thing, which it was proper Sunday league football, wasn't it? It was, where it The was. goalkeeper's out. Just shoot, just shoot, wasn't it? <laughs> he was, he was, I mean, he was never going to score though, was he? Uh, it was interesting reading some tweets during the game on my phone. Alison Rudd from the Times, she said, if you fed all of your knowledge into a computer program, it would have predicted almost every move of this game in brackets in a good way. And it seemed to be the case, but we did get the breakthrough and, that was that was cracking. I thought um, it was a really well worked goal. Wilshire Smith and the the balls cut back to a Fobe. He was he was unlucky with his shot. It was a, a well taken shot. I think good save by the keeper. But then it found Pew and the ball was probably like about hip height. Would you say where the actual height of the ball when he took it? But he made good contact and um, the keeper got something on it, but obviously not enough. But a good goal. Yeah, I was thinking in my head it was Francis that had laid it back, but it was Smith, was it, that laid the ball back? See, this is I, I this is it, so. folks. This is this is live radio. We've literally yeah. just watched the game. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah well, that kind of c- confirms the <laughs> distribution for Francis. I was giving him a bit more credit, maybe, than I should have done. But um, you've got to, yeah, I mean, Pui, great reactions, great position. Um, goalkeeper look weak, eh? They don't look as good without Schmeichel. Um, just seemed to kind of palm it into the corner, but it was just... The script was written, eh? When you saw Pui, he's just... For me, you look at him and it just oozes the history of the club and, mm. and epitomises the story of Bournemouth. And when he hasn't been playing, it's... You know, the club has changed since we got in the Premier League and, and some things for the good, some things... You know, I think, sadly, uh, the club will never be the same again because of the the rise we've had and that's just the realities. But to see Pui back out, it did have that sense of, ah, oh, this is there's familiarity to this. And when he stuck it in and we saw the knee slide yeah, <laughs> it was it was so nice seeing his post match interview as well because he he he's a different type of footballer. You don't get many of those sort of northern lads. He's like, oh yeah, it's a good game, and all the, with his with his accent. I'm not going to try it, but he's he he reminds me of all the sort of all the good times and you know some of the bad times as well. But Dan Hall said, so pleased to see Pew get his chance back in the starting eleven. Lynn Whitehead, welcome back. We have missed you, and I don't know. He's he's. He is Mr. Reliable, really. He he rarely lets us down, and he does he does work so well with Charlie Daniels, I thought, and we seem to play a particular way when Pew's on the pitch. Charlie Daniels is constantly hugging the touchline when Pew's on the pitch, but when Pew isn't, I don't know, Charlie Daniels isn't that confident player, and they, you know, they linked up uh, a number of times, and um, w- whether Pew's played himself into contention for Sunday or not, I don't quite know, but in the second half, uh, Leicester started to sort of play some sort of fairly decent football. Not quite Champions League, having won the league last year and beat Man City at the weekend form, but they were playing better. Although the first chance, arguably, was ours, and that was um, in the North Stand, East Stand corner. There was a great bit of interchange between Wilshire, Wilson, and then it found Smith, who then just curled an effort that was always going wide. But um, but then Leicester started to put their foot on it can you you put your finger on what was happening to 
sort of give Leicester all these openings, Sean? Well, I think making the change and getting Slimani off and bringing on Okazaki was a positive move for them because I think all that happened in the first half was Vardy got isolated, um, Slimani ended up dropping deeper and deeper and he's not a he's not a guy like Okazaki that gets around the park and, and, you know, makes things happen and whatever else. And so I think when they made that change, I think their intent just changed. And Okazaki, watching like Okazaki play like last year, there was often those games, even in their big run where they, they weren't quite firing. And so I was a bit worried when he came on, cause you thought, okay, they're going to step up here. And yeah, I guess it's a bit, they stepped it up. Did we look to, kind of um hold on to the lead i don't think we did yeah it was an it was an odd wasn't it It was a different vibe to the first half yeah agreed ed Woolbridge on twitter we're being overrun in midfield need a third body in there mike brannan agreed rather prophetic tweet actually because he said time to bring on gosling for king which actually happened but there was a bit of a funny five minutes for arta boric wasn't there where his distribution was poor his kicking was poor everything was poor yeah he seemed to be um he was having a row. I don't know whether it was with Francis or someone, wasn't he? He was having a bit of an issue. And I've been in those situations where you just get a bit fired up and you're a bit, a bit angry and all, and your technique goes out the window and you kind of, you're like, well, I don't know whether it was Francis wanted the ball and he didn't give it to him or, or he wanted to give it to him and he wasn't available. But it was kind of like there was a couple of goal kicks that went Francis way where it was just like slammed at him. And then there was that kick out of his hands where his technique was all over the place and he just dribbled it and... Interesting, I noticed they did a close-up on Boric at one point, and this was after the, I don't know, the ball was somewhere else. He swore to himself in English. <laughs> yeah, like he was, he was swearing under his breath, but he was swearing in English. It was just, I don't know, I've never thought about somebody who has another language. So English is his second mm. language. I, language amazes me, and people that speak other languages, I think, is amazing. But I always think that surely I, I would think you'd always default, but... Yeah, I don't know. It was just a silly little moment. He swore to himself. What was he saying? You know, like, suckering succotash or whatever. Um, yes, Sam, that's exactly yes. what you're saying. But it, it, it didn't really help, did it? That whole, we got, we got a little bit unsettled. I, I never felt like we were hugely under the pump. I think, I still think we looked, there was balls in the box in the air that did trouble us. And we, we didn't get the first header. And then we didn't always pick up on the second header which it made it a little bit harem scarum at some point, wasn't it? And then, I mean, there was, they had some, well, I think Huth's chance where he headed wide from the corner was, I think, a great chance. And arguably, you'd probably want to see your your defender sticking that in the bottom corner, wouldn't you? Yeah, I I mean, I wanted to yell to Frano, you can't handle the Huth, but that would have been too much. Too much. People have done that one before as well. Um, there was also that chance for Okazaki as well. Um, oh, but it, but it was handball. handball. Yeah, it was handball, wasn't it? Clear as and day. Then, and then he gave Mares his handball like, a couple of minutes later. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you're just trying to level it up. And, you know, so I mean, by that point, what Wilson, Wilson came on for, a, so a Fobe, I think again, I think a Fobe had a, yeah. he had a good, he had a good shift. Um, obviously had the chance for the goal and, um, well, kind of set it up, didn't he, with the first shot. Um, I think he held the ball up really well. Wilson came on, fresh legs, makes sense. Then, as you say, Gosling for King. Um, and then Pewey had that chance where he could have sealed the game. And he actually had a huge amount of time, didn't he? But it all came from the hunger of Jack Wilshire, where he yeah. chased back and made that tackle. And as he was coming in, you thought, oh, no. 
he's gonna he's gonna go in big here and it was either gonna be a booking or it was gonna be a great tackle and it was a great tackle mm. Yeah, that was, um, it was unfortunate that we couldn't add to another. I was quite intrigued by the Leicester fans singing to the referee 1-0, um, on 88 minutes. Yeah. Uh, a bit yeah. odd, uh, like they're passing the buck. They, you know, anyone would think they've just won the Premier League or something, but they did have that chance at the end though, Sean. And, you know, for all the, uh, you know, 10 minutes of, uh, calamity that Arthur Boric was having with his distribution, what a save it was. I think it was from Ujoa, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, just a great, I mean, it was close range, great reactions, just got what he needed to do. And again, it kind of came from one of those bobbling around bits of nonsense and you thought, oh no, it's going to break. And then when you saw it break, I mean, I thought it's a goal. You've got to think that position, he's got to be scoring it. So the big pole came up, came up big. And, and to be fair, I mean, again, as much as the Mark Pugh story is a great story, um, and you know, we won after the Burnley clean sheet. That was huge tonight. And I think the, you know, you give credit to the defence. But again, I want to single out Steve Cook, who... Oh, yes. With, with, with Francis going out to the right, just seems like Cookie's kind of gone, OK, I'm running the show, you know? And just, mm. like, whether it's tackling, blocking, whether it's heading, whether it's getting forward, making surging runs, I mean, he is in such great form and just prior to that save he'd made that great block tackle yeah to stop the shot wasn't it which i think then led to the corner but really good. and um and then talking about defenders really really great to see tyrone mings yeah back on the park and he did i think he got a touch he i was did. looking and I, was it like a deflection it kind of hit him a eh, or something yeah. i think but just you know for all that guy's been through, and kind of ironic, isn't it, that he got injured against Leicester and he comes back against Leicester. Yeah, really, really, really good. Now, we've got some breaking pun watch, pun watch. Steve Traylon, Pew Beauty. Simple and effective, eh, Sean? <laughs> and, um, good, yeah. <laughs> speaking of uh, Pew, Nick Smith tweeted in to say, everything that has made Bournemouth successful in the last six years can be found in abundance in Pew's guts, desire, skill and determination. We certainly echo that, don't we, Sean? Uh, so, next on Back of the Net, a couple of weeks back... As part of Lone Watch, we checked out a very informed Glenn Murray for Brighton and Hove Albion. But now we cross to another Southern team. Well, I say Southern. They're always on Meridian tonight. Um, yeah, that's right. It's Jilly Longball, Gillingham. And our on-loan sherry there at the moment is Bailey Cargill. Bailey Cargill, centre-half, English, B underscore Cargill. As I was growing up, I was always a left-back, so my favourite player was always Ashley Cole. I used to love watching him play, but I've got a soft spot for Steven Gerrard. I mean, why wouldn't you? Born in Winchester, Bailey Cargill is just the ripe old age of 21, and he's a defender currently on loan at Gillingham. His youth career started at Leicester City in 2003, and then it took him to Southampton in 2006, and then AFC Bournemouth in 2008. His senior career with Bournemouth kicked off in 2012, but he's had loan spells at AFC Totten for a season, Welling United, 
Torquay United and then Coventry City earlier in 2016 where he notched his first senior career goal but most recently he's been turning out for Gillingham. So we thought we'd track down a Gills fan to see how he's doing. Hello, my name's Henry Collier and I've been a Gillingham season ticket holder for over a decade. And incidentally, you can follow Henry on Twitter at HenryCollier10. Now, Gillingham played on Monday night, but sadly lost 4-0 at the Macron to Bolton Wanderers, which sounded like it was a bit of a learning curve for Bailey. But let's go back to the start of his loan spell. Um, we signed Bailey Cargill summer deadline day uh, to try and bolster up our centre-back options. And we knew at the time that he wouldn't be fully fit immediately, but we thought it'd be a couple of weeks. Unfortunately, that couple of weeks turned into a couple of months. It wasn't until about mid-November when we finally saw him make his first appearance, which was against uh, West Bromwich Albion in the Checker Trade Trophy. Uh, he's done really well for us since he came back in, and, he, and he's looked to the short on the ball and really good going forward. Uh, you, you could tell at the start he wasn't quite match speed, and that, that showed, to be honest with you. But the more games he's played, the better he's looked, with the exception of last night against Bolton, where he had a tough game against the Gary Medine. He's an experienced striker, though, and he kind of gave him the runabout a little bit, but I'm sure he did that to a lot of young centre-backs. And as our manager said after the game, Bailey will learn an awful lot from last night's game. Uh, he had a really good game against Watchdale earlier on, and he nearly got a goal. He had one disallowed for offside, which proved to be not offside, and he hit the bar a couple of times. But he's looked really solid defensively, and he's helped us keep two clean sheets in five after he about 27 games, 28 games before that without one, so he's clearly had a big impact on the club. Um... I think it'd be a good signing for us if we could get him permanently. However, I'm not sure if that's a realistic thing. I know he's probably going to go a lot higher than we are. I mean, championship clubs, after a few more loans, I'm sure championship clubs might start to look at him, and even you might start to look at him getting into your first team. However, if we keep him to the end of the season this, this term, that'd be great, because I think he really helps us defensively. He organises well, and I think he gives good leadership. Overall, he's been a good signing so far. I can't really complain about it, and he's helped us defensively, which is key. Uh, best luck for the rest of the season, guys, and uh, I'm sure you'll see him in the first team soon. That's Gillingham fan Henry Collier there. So good luck to Gilles for the rest of the season, and especially to Bailey Cargill, and hopefully we'll see you in a red and black shirt soon. Uh, it's always good to see how our on-loan players are doing. And if Joe Quigley plays a bit more for Gillingham, hopefully we'll be able to speak to Henry again to see how he's faring in League One. So remember, you can follow Henry on Twitter, at HenryCollier10. But now on Back of the Net, it's my online review. And after that brilliant win against Leicester, I'm going to read a few excerpts from the Cherry Chimes website, as well as having a chat with its author, Peter Bell. So firstly, let's go to the website. And it's afcbchimes.blogspot.co.uk. Now, on the website, there are loads of different tabs. Minus 17, Rival Lines, the Vitality Stadium. There's loads of information to gorge on if you're an AFC Bournemouth fan. But the most newsy items are at the top. And it starts off with an article before the Leicester game saying, Are Leicester back to their best? We all thought the same thing, didn't we? He writes, It's typical timing, you might think, if the Foxes have just found their stride ahead for the match against AFCB. They've not looked solid all season, but a fantastic turnaround in fortune in their last outing against Man City suddenly has everyone wondering whether they're now going to start climbing their way up the league. He goes on to write that their away form has been pretty poor, etc. I'm really interested to see what he's got to say after that amazing result on Tuesday night. But anyway, 
let's meet the wizard behind the website. Hi there, I'm Peter Bell. I'm the editor of Cherry Chimes blog. Um, you can visit the site at www.afcbchimes.blogspot.co.uk. So when did you start supporting Bournemouth? I started supporting AFC Bournemouth back in 1981. Um, At the time, the first game I saw was uh, Bournemouth v Reading in the FA Cup. I think we just won that one, 1-0. But um, after that, it was uh, sort of the Harry Redknapp years. So uh, that got me inspired. Hmm. And what was your inspiration for, for Cherry Chimes? Um, the inspiration for Cherry Chimes really came from a couple of things. First of all, the return of Eddie Howe's second spell as manager at FC Bournemouth. Um, I got the feeling that things were happening that were a bit special. Um, my mate um, Michael Dunn at All Departments was also starting his uh, podcast at the same time. And we both felt we needed a bit more positivity about the club. Um, a lot of negative comments were being left on forums and we wanted to add a bit more positivity to uh, what was on, on online, really. OK. I mean, what kind of articles can people expect on, on your website? The articles on uh, Cherry Chimes are match reports, um, sort of player profiles. There's a lot of um, sort of uh, my thoughts on where things either went right or went wrong during games and uh, maybe some ideas of... Um, what Eddie Howe uh, and Jason Tindall might be thinking for the upcoming opponents. There's also a rival line section that I do with uh, opposition bloggers and podcasters quite often. Um, so you can get quite unique stories on Cherry Chimes that you won't find elsewhere. Uh, superb. And wh- what kind of feedback have you got uh, from your site so far? The feedback on uh, Cherry Chimes has been fairly positive, I think, over the last three years. It's almost four years now. And... Um, I enjoy doing it. Um, I don't mind if people come on to express their opinions and even send articles in themselves. Um, It's basically um, trying to encourage the team and uh, I hope that most people see that in my writing. Great stuff. Well, if you want to visit the website, it's afcbchimes.blogspot.co.uk. That's afcbchimes at blogspot.co.uk. And as the website says, this is a fan's personal view of AFC Bournemouth from the outside looking in. And he says, life as an AFCB fan is never dull. You're not wrong there, Peter. Okay, good stuff there. And um, great to hear about all the different channels that you can now get your AFCB news. So remember back in the day, it was just, well, you never got anything out of the club. So it was pretty much the fanzine. The, well, for me, not not the 8502 with old Mick Cunningham. Then, uh, you know, that was your source. And now look at us with podcasts and TV shows on YouTube and blogs. And what has happened, eh? Um, Sean, um, you can remember a lovely little website called Boscombe on the Web, can't you? Mm. <laughs> I, I, I actually never, never. I know you were behind it, Sam. I actually never really looked at it. Seriously? Well, what when we were on rivals? It's, it's, 
It's probably because like, we played footy together, and I probably heard all your nonsense about the club in the changing room. Me and uh, me and John Sharkey ran that website for a number of years, and it was an independent site. It got picked up by Rivals dot net, which is uh, I don't know whatever happened to them. That, it became red and black after me and John fell out and all sorts of stuff. But then it went on to bigger and better things, and now it seems to be. Uh, yeah, there's there's not one big site anymore, but Vitals always seems to come up. But yeah, that's uh, Cherry Chimes. And uh, also, we're going to be previewing other sites to come as well, including Tom Jordan's blog, uh, Tales from the South End. There's actually loads of independent sites out there, if you have a look. So we're going to be uh, doing features on them every so often on Back of the Net. And hopefully, they're all going to be reporting on a beautiful Bournemouth win this weekend, as Sunday... Our neighbours down the road, Southampton, travel to the Vitality Stadium for a live televised match. It's on Sky. It's 1.30. Should be an interesting one. Southampton's away form isn't great. Their last win away, well, they've only had one win away in the Premier League, and that was their 3-0 win at West Ham in September. But in terms of their form, I mean... They're all right. They beat Middlesbrough 1-0 at home uh, last weekend. Uh, they are playing Stoke uh, this week, but we've recorded beforehand, so we don't know the result of that. But they are without Charlie Austin, aren't they, Sean? He's injured again. He's injured again. <laughs> Charlie Austin. Um, yeah, he's out for, I think, up to four months. So, you know, no one wants to see that, so get well soon. Um, but for us, yeah, it's... um Well... If we're looking at the form book, then it doesn't look good for us, does it? If we're going to continue your win-loss win loss record that you pointed out earlier. Yeah, that's right. But maybe a week... I mean, it's... Yeah. The thing is, it's a Sunday, so it's going to be on TV. Everyone's going to be up for it. It's going to be a big game. I'd hope You'd hope the atmosphere is going to be good. I, the 70th minute today, I noticed... It seems 70 minutes seems to be like the, the time in our home games when the crowd seemed to always go up a yeah. notch. The Liverpool game, it was the 70th minute, and, and tonight it was the same. So crowd's going to be back online, but, you know, behind the team. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it might be a... I actually think it might be a struggle. I think just but not because I think we're not as good. I think it's because it's two teams, similar positions in the league, both wanting to win. Yeah, I mean, no, no, tough one. Sammy, team lineup. Do you, what, do you make any changes? Uh, mm, uh, yeah, very difficult, that one, actually. Um, I would stay. I would stay put with what we had, actually. Um, I don't know if Sermon's going to be uh, available, but even so... Um, I would stick to what we had. I thought we were we were pretty good. I mean, were Leicester bad um, in the week because of the fact that we didn't let them play, or were they just poor on their own accord? I don't know. Um, it's very difficult because we have games like this where Eddie Howe does reward the players that have had a good game, and then sometimes they're just awful in the next game. And I, I just really don't want that for Pewey. Um, I don't. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I th- yeah, I think I would imagine, and I'd probably want to see us switch more to the three in the middle. I think against Leicester, we knew that they were going to sit deep. We know they're very rigid in their formation. So I think for us, it was kind of a safe, relatively safe bet to kind of go more 4-4-2, uh, 4-4-1-1. 
you know, we'd done it at Burnley because, again, we knew that they were that kind of similar style. I don't think... I think this could be a battle of the middle of the park. I think both teams like to play the foot, play football and have the ball. So, for me, I'd want to see us shift and probably bring in Gosling back in, which my pick would then be to push King out and Smithy goes on the bench unless he was to drop Francis and put Smith in but you know I can't see him dropping the captain um Mm. that would be my pick and I still there were still lots of times in the Leicester game where I'm seeing Wilshire getting the ball in an area where he can't hurt people with that clinical through pass Mm. you know when there's just the two there was he was he was deep and I mean we dominated the ball and he was recycling the ball really well and was working I think he's got a great relationship with Harry um, in the middle, but for me, I'd rather see him more back in that ten. When we're on the edge of the box, he's the guy that could break them down. And you know, I think King, I think King played really well against Leicester up the top. Uh, has a phobe? I, I, I would, I would probably still pick a phobe to to start again. I don't think Wilson came on and, and necessarily nudged nudged him out the out of the way. And I think he worked, as I said, worked really hard and held the ball up. So. That would probably be my pick in terms of how we're going to match up with them is we're going to need to try and dominate the ball. But I think it's going to be tougher than it was against Leicester. Mm, So prediction-wise, I'm going to go for a Bournemouth win because I think that we've got enough. I've seen Southampton play a few times this year. And yeah, they're decent, but I just feel as with Charlie Austin, maybe not there. Of course, he's got um, uh, not necessarily something to prove as such, but he's he's always motivated against Bournemouth. Um, Without him... Uh, they do have this like new, brand new talent, haven't they? That scored a one wonder goal the other week. Is it Buffal or something? But I don't, I don't know. I, I still feel as though we're going to be too strong. And this is crazy saying this because Southampton have always been leagues ahead of us, literally. Um, but I think we can do this, and we can win three-one live on Sky. Sean, what about you? Ah, oh, Sammy, it. glory days, it. glory days. Yep. See, I would, I would, I would take it. I would happily take it. I'm being, oh, yeah. Maybe I'm a bit tired. I'm being a little bit um, not negative, but a bit more. I, I've, I'm going to go one-one. Actually, in this, yeah, I think we'll. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to pick a not a classic. There we go. I'm going to go back to our old days of when we used to be on TV and we used to be awful games. I think for some reason it's going to be a bit of a dud. Sorry, guys, and it's going to be one-all. Stay at home. Watch something else. Just check the result on CFAX. <laughs> Hi, this is The Biggin, Steve Fletcher, and you're listening to Back of the Net. Now, I know some of you have been waiting very patiently to get your hands on a copy of Football Manager. And you know what? I know just the guy who sat right opposite me. I say opposite me, what, 12,000 miles away? Sean, tell them all about it. Yes, Football Manager uh, 2017. We are going to be giving it away. I know I've been saying every week it's going to be next week, and it was going to be this week, but... It's my two-year-old daughter's birthday today. Well, Aww. my daughter's birthday. She is now a two-year-old, yes. and Happy birthday. Yep, happy birthday to Sky. And um, I've been mad busy. I baked a birthday cake, actual proper birthday cake, chocolate fudge cake. It was a Delia Smith recipe. Let's be having ya. Whatever it was, she shouted drunk. Um, but it means that I haven't had time to, I'm afraid, put the... Um, put the thing together. I have started playing the game, so that's I've had time for that. So that's been great. But you know, I need to get my handle on it before we give it away. 
<laughs> what chairman or chairwoman, Sean, would go on the pitch drunk at half-time and then uh, talk to the fans, eh? Although, no, that was at full-time frames you bought with, wasn't it? But anyway, you may have seen the news on uh, released on Friday about the new stadium. And uh, here at Back of the Net, we found it quite interesting. And as we said earlier, there are sort of tidbits of information that are still sort of coming through about this so we're still cogitating it somewhat but uh do get in touch with your thoughts because we'd love to have you involved um and we'd love to see what you think would you like to stay at king's park is there an area in bournemouth and pool that you think would be perfect for a stadium should we put it on the eiford floodplain whatever you think do get in touch and you can do it in the form of a voice note so to do that grab your phone Load up your voice notes app and just record. Just put your name and where you're from and then say about 45 seconds and then email it to fans at afcbpodcast.com. You can see that email address on our Twitter bio. Uh, Also, you can give us a call and we've got an automated voicemail that's there 24 hours a day. So in the middle of the night, if you can't get any sleep, just uh, pop downstairs and uh, yeah, do a voicemail to us. That's 01202 48 and we'd love to hear your views this is this is thing from steve from bournemouth and uh i don't want us to move yeah that's the kind of messages that we want (laughs) so um also uh the retro shirt poll we've still been getting um loads of entries come through in the last week um so we are keeping that going head to afcbpodcast.com forward slash retro there are 10 classic shirts and the top three that you guys have chosen are going to be given to the club. And there's a chance, I say a good chance, why not, um, that one or maybe all of them will become the next retro shirts to be made and sold in the club shop. So don't forget, get onto the website and vote. Purple. If you haven't checked out our YouTube channel yet, it's at youtube.com slash podcast. We've had thousands and thousands of views on our videos. One of our, one of our videos actually got a thousand views. I think that was the uh, Middlesbrough match review. But we do a knee-jerk opinion. I've done one uh, for the Leicester match, which is uh, online and viewable now. We want to get our subscribers hitting the roof. So when you do go onto our YouTube channel, click the subscribe button, and it means our post match opinions will be in your sort of little youtube in, inbox uh two three hours after after the end of the game good stuff mostly sam i, I might make an appearance at some point but sam sam loves the camera yeah you own the camera man you own the camera okay. anyway um thank you for listening um and we really do appreciate all the support we've been getting and i actually got to meet a couple of listeners this week sam malcolm and sam and um, not you another sam um, they are massive Cherries fans and they travel up and down the country supporting the boys and have done for a number of years. And they're over in New Zealand on a big holiday. And so he sent me an email Aww. and we caught up for a flat white in uh, downtown Wellington this week. And I wore my Cherries jacket to make sure they knew who I was. And I walked in and Malcolm had his on as well. And That's so, so nice. Yeah, it was real good. So, yeah, Malcolm and Sam are now heading off. Uh, they're in the South Island now and hopefully I'm going to catch up with them again next month but yeah good to chat to the cherry so if you are coming down to new zealand it's a pretty good place to come to i'll always catch up for a flat white yeah and also just before we go i want to also say congratulations to neil whedon who's a regular uh, listener to the podcast because he got married to rhiannon on saturday so uh, all the best for the future to you both 
Wow, and uh, this is dedication hour. This next song <laughs> is for you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's enough talking about nonsense. We'll be back next week. Uh, big game. If you're going to the game, lucky, lucky you. Have fun. Think of us watching on TV. And yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's a fiesta of football, as Sam predicts. Either way, we will be back next week for another episode of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.